0: Thanks for listening to the Gateway Live podcast, a collection of recent sermons, teaching, and inspirational content brought to you by Gateway Church of Upstate New York. Visit our website at gatewaylive.org for more information. Now here's today's message. How many are struggling with something in your life right now? And for those of you who are believers, how many struggle with trusting in God for an answer? I can I can speak this this morning because I've been there. You're not, you're not alone. You're you're in good company here this morning. We're not a church of perfect people. By no means, we're all in this thing together. So you may have noticed how I praise up here. And that level of praise just didn't manifest. I've been in church since I was preteen. And it just doesn't happen one day that you, that I mean, you can praise, you can step out and you can praise in faith. But to have something deep in your soul that just flows out is something that comes from experience. So we're going to, We're going to focus on Psalm 34 this morning. Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. This verse reads really well, doesn't it? It inspires, and some of us can relate, but it's not easy in the moment, amen? Not easy. I'm sure there's many out here who have experienced the same thing. We know that there are promises in the Word. We know that He hears us. But most of the time, there's no specific Scripture that would help that might help us out of our specific situation. And we're left to seek and trust Him and have faith for the answer. So let's read that entire psalm, or not the entire psalm, but we're just going to read a few verses of it. Verse 1 starts, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Amen. Amen. That's good. Again, this reads really well, it hangs on a wall really well, but it's hard to have this type of mindset in the moment. So we're going to look at this in the context of David's life this morning, because it's the context which makes this powerful. Reading, you could say, well, David was, he was perfect, you know, he just, this, this just flowed from him. And we should all try and be more like David. Well, when you start looking at his life, you'll see he had his share of failures. He also had his share of of doubts. So when David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, he didn't write this as a youth without a care in the world. He wrote this from a place of experience, like a songwriter will write their best songs out of a place of their experience. David was that masterful psalm writer. He's writing this particular psalm on the other side of his trials, from the other side of his valley, having been in a place of trial for years and seeing God's provision and faithfulness. And in retrospect, he wrote, through the writing of the psalm, he's teaching and coaching us as the readers The concept of a tomorrow praise. After all he went through, he says, his praise will continually be in my mouth at all times. Not because in David's time of adversity he was thinking about praise. We could go back and we could account numerous scripture where he wasn't praising then, I can tell you that. But in retrospect, he's saying. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His words tell us that we ought not to praise because things are going our way, but to praise regardless. And the fact is, God rarely answers our prayers in our timing. Can I get an amen? amen. God is not a vending machine. Praise is not just a song that we sing it's a way of looking at our situation and speaking about our situation. Praise is manifesting our trust in His timing. I trust You, Lord, even though I don't see what I want to see right now. So there's there's a song. Oh, well, there's, there's there's a ton of gospel songs out there that uh, I know my wife will be able to witness. He may not be there when you want him, but he's always on time. They're all over the place. Faith and trust in God is built not because things happen quickly, but rather by knowing that there will be time and space between what he's promised, where I'm at right now, and the fulfillment of that promise. There's going to be space. Now We all have a timeline, We'd like to see God fix our problem this morning. We'd like to see him heal. We'd like to see that financial need met or the deliverance happen. And you know what? He is able. But more times than not, it seems God adds space and he adds time in our situation in order to teach us and to strengthen us because he plays the long game. He cares about our future and our relationship. That's truth. And like the good father he is, he doesn't give us everything when we want it. If you think about that from an earthly perspective, what kind of father would I be, although I'm sure my boys would argue otherwise, if I gave them everything that they wanted when they asked? I would be creating a couple monsters. A couple young men, a couple young men who would totally be out of place in a productive society because they've just been handed everything. So because he cares and he wants the best for us, he uses space as a test and a teacher in our lives. And if we don't recognize space for what it is, is it not easy to lose sight of his promises and provision? We know that he can deliver, but he might not deliver today. We know he's a healer, but it might not happen before the end of the service. God can do anything, but there will likely be space between now and when he delivers, when he heals, or when the promise comes to pass. The problem is, is that we have an enemy of our soul who knows that that space exists And he likes to use it too, to his advantage. He's eager to fill that space. So if he can't convince you that God will not deliver or heal, if he can't convince you that he won't heal, what he'll do sometimes is that he'll chip away at your expectations and your timeline. Sometimes the enemy will tell us that it's going to happen so quickly. And when it doesn't happen... We lose hope and we give up maybe. God's going to heal today. And yes, he could. And if he did, we would all rejoice. We've seen it happen in this room. Amen. He does it. He, our God is a healer. But if he doesn't, let's recognize that God is still with us. And he's using time and space to work something wonderful in our lives. Amen. Amen for those who have been there. So let's go back to David for a minute. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David was anointed to be king as a young man, a young man, teenager perhaps. Some say that he might have even been younger than that. And At that time, what he wasn't told (laughs) might have been helpful to know that he was going to be on the run for seven years hiding in caves with multiple attempts on his life from the man who should have been his mentor who was intimidated and didn't want to be displaced by this young whippersnapper. Years of space between the anointing and the crown. And that space in David's life and in our life is where trust comes into play. Nothing is going to fill that void. Not talent, not your intelligence. It's only God. It's It's a space only God can fill and that's why we trust him. So when David writes in verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me. He wasn't writing about how he asked God, and he immediately answered. He was writing again in retrospect, looking back at his life and his situation, saying, I sought the Lord, and although he didn't show up immediately like I wish he had, he did answer, and he did deliver in his time. Hmm. Yeah, and with his words, David is teaching us how to trust God in the space. What if God is teaching you today how to trust him so that in the months and years to come, you'll be able to sing his praises from the experience in your life? There's another thing we can pull from Psalms 34 is not to underestimate the power and importance of reflection in the moment for personal growth. And the enemy knows that if he can keep us so busy and preoccupied, we'll never get around to honestly reflecting on our situation the way God intends us to. I don't know about you, but it seems like when you ask somebody, how are you doing? What's the first thing that you hear these days? Well, yeah, we hear you do. (laughs) But I, I personally hear, oh, busy, I'm busy, everything's busy. It seems like our society and the world is just snowballing faster and faster and faster. And the devil knows that, that, preoccupi- that pre- being preoccupied is a powerful tool, especially when we should reflect on what God has done in our lives and what He promised that He would do in our lives. It's, so, it's easy for us to read a book or see an inspirational post online that tells us what we should be thinking about our situation. But what does God say about our current situation? Where is God right now in your situation? It takes reflection and a quiet ear to hear His voice. But, I promise if you ask, He will answer. That's something that our church specifically having been here for years know that that is possible to ask God and listen and He will answer and if that's not happening for you find somebody to pray with here and we can we can do that with you and I promise he will speak it is amazing to see where are you God in my current situation And the answers that we've heard, that quiet, still, small voice, will change your life. Amen? We can actually be blessed by God, but never feel blessed because we don't take the time to reflect. David wrote this psalm with the intention of teaching us how to reflect on our past and our future. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good was written after his years of struggle and trial. Written after having to learn and trust that God had a plan the whole time and that that plan rarely lines up with our plan. He's not saying these words through his writing, the Lord is good regardless of your situation. You won't be there. You won't be where you're at forever. Trust in God, and you too will look back and see how his plan unfolded. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But then, I love this part, come and magnify the Lord with me. This is my favorite part. What does it mean to magnify something? Some might think that it means to make God look better or bigger rather, but magnification doesn't actually make the object you're viewing physically larger it's all about perspective about bringing to focus and seeing things more clearly the things that were there the whole time that little that little boy with a with a magnifying glass, looking at the anthill. Those ants, if they don't perish in a fiery column of fire, they were there the whole time. They're, they're about their business. They're doing their thing. But that magnification brings into clear, brings into focus what's happening right before us more clearly. So verse 3 is the reason why we gather here together on Sunday mornings. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Because sometimes we need a little help bringing things into focus. Bringing our current situation into focus. What we magnify in our lives we see more of. And if all week long I'm around miserable people having surface conversations, complaining, grumbling about politics and food prices, we never reflect on what's happening right now in my life, where God has brought me from, where he's taking me to. David says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So in our gathering here today, is it not a place that we can bring him into focus? Bring our lives and our situation into focus? That he is a plan for us despite what it may look like in your life right now? And for every one reason the devil gives us to doubt, are there not a hundred reasons and testimonies in this room right now to trust him? Amen. That we could magnify the Lord and help you trust him more too. Remember, David wrote Psalm 34 when he was through everything on the other side of it. So if we were to read this psalm before today, if you were to read this psalm this morning, earlier, or yesterday, how many beside myself might think, wow, I'm, I'm really a loser I'm really struggling here. I should have have faith. Nothing, you know, nothing should be able to shake me. David said it so eloquently, and here I am, miserable in my situation. I have doubts and fears sometimes. And even if I know in my heart what I should think, the enemy still whispers and makes me think and doubt and question. But hearing this next passage, this next verse, might give you a little comfort. So this is amidst the years. I said I mentioned seven years. So this scripture comes at some point in those seven years. And he's running from his life, from the existing king that he was anointed to replace. And 1 Samuel 27 says, But David thought to himself... One of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. Does that sound like confidence? Confidence in God's promise? Mm-mm. What we see here is that seven years will begin to chip away at confidence. He continues, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. And so the best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hands. (laughs) So he's on the run, and when he should, you'd think after reading the psalm we started with, that he was just ready to fight, and he, he had it all together. But we see there that in his thoughts, and this is, where, this is where the rubber meets the road this morning, in his thoughts, in our thoughts, we are going to have doubts. David had doubts. I have had doubts. And the one who penned, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. At that time... He had his internal struggling, his internal struggle happening that he conveniently leaves out. He thought to himself, This is it. This is the end. I have nowhere left to turn. Saul is going to kill me. All the while, knowing what God promised, he was anointed to be king. And he praised God with his mouth continually. So, like I started with, this is so personal to me. It just so happens that those seven years in David's life line up with seven years in our family's life. And some of you know the story, but there's many of you here who probably don't. My wife was living off of medicine just just to keep her going, alive, you might say. It would, they would, this particular medicine would just suppress the symptoms, and every time we would try to taper off of that medicine, the symptoms would immediately come back. And I remember being hopeful every time she would taper down to a certain point only only to hear in the other room her start to cry and i i knew what that meant it, we'd be we'd be back at square one another trip to the hospital was imminent and i'm not overly emotional Maybe it's a guy thing. Maybe it's a Byron thing. All the Byron women say amen. (laughs) And I remember one night in 2016. I actually found this in my journal. That was the intruder night. That's another story. But I was completely at a loss. I I would pray a lot with my wife. And sometimes I wouldn't pray and she would ask me, can you pray? And I remember feeling, I don't know if she ever knew this, she, she will now, but I would pray and it was, it just seemed so futile. I, there was so much doubt because this had happened no less than six, seven, eight times, this cycle of up and down and hospitalization. And I was completely at a loss, but I did, I, did my, I did my little prayer. And I just remember, we both sat on the bed crying that night because I, I didn't know what to do. <clears throat> I sought the Lord. We sought the Lord. You know, you guys were there. We sought the Lord. But he wasn't answering and I was just at the end, I think that was the night Kim came over too, and Ned, and I just remember the only thing that I could do, I think this only happened once, was I just began to sing the old songs from when I was a kid, the songs of praise. I don't know if you remember that, Bryn. And such a peace came into that room as a result of that action. That was one of many turning points in our testimony that I can look back and say, that's, you were there, God, that night. And at some point, I probably need to write a book because so many things happened But at that point, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. All I could do was praise. And we both said throughout that time that we were going to continue to serve God regardless of the outcome. If there was a healing, if there wasn't a healing and we had to live with her issue, we were still going to serve God. But to praise Him in the midst of an impossible situation is where it all happens. Because I can testify to you this morning that at the end of it all, she sits here this morning completely healed, having taken one... Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I forget how many years it's been... But this is an autoimmune disease that there should be no there should be no healing for. Anybody who knows about these autoimmune diseases knows that you're you're on this, you're on this course of medical intervention indefinitely. But it's been years. And so what I'm trying to say is that it's normal for our humanity to show up in the form of thoughts. It's completely normal. But what will we do with those thoughts? My flesh may doubt, but his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My humanity may fear, but his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My limited wisdom may question the situation, but his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Thank you, Jesus. I want want his praise to be the primary focus of what I speak and of what I sing, not the negative doubt. I may think it, but let let it never leave my mouth. And so when we praise, what we're saying is, despite my thoughts and despite my doubts, Let's magnify the Lord together. Let's bring into focus what he really is saying about the situation. Let's bring it to focus. And if you're unable to focus, because we're doing it together, I can help you. Let my testimony this morning help you magnify the Lord. So if you're living in the space between your promise and the fulfillment of that promise... Fill that space with praise. Fill that space with praise this morning. So stand with me this morning. We've been hearing a lot of things the last couple months that are equipping us, helping us to grow, to be wise to the enemy's tools and tactics, offense being the biggest one. That's been a common thread the past month or couple months. And filling the space that will undoubtedly come in our lives, I believe, is another tool to combat the tactics of the enemy. Because he's going to weasel his way into that space and feed you lies. That this is the way it is, God's not going to answer, but he does answer. He will make a way of escape. Are we not more prepared to face the trials that will undoubtedly come as a result of learning these things? So there has to be at least one who needed to hear this message today. And sometimes we read the Word, we read the Word on paper, and it never really truly hits home. Like I said, there was, there's times I could have I read Psalm 34 a few years back and felt like I wasn't doing it right. Sometimes it can feel so far away. But today, our family in particular is a living, breathing witness of Psalms 34. Why do I, why do I always have a song of praise in my heart each Sunday? It's because we've walked down the same road that David did. There is hope. And we can both testify that I will bless, praise the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Not because someone told us to, or we read it, but because we walked that road. And as a result of us walking that road, you might have to struggle or question as much as a result of our testimony. And we're not the only ones here. There's others here that would be able to testify to the same exact thing. So we're going to do one more thing rather than have a somber, introspective altar call. I think you know where I'm going with this. We're going to lift up a shout of praise and we're going to magnify the Lord together. Amen. Yeah. So, Casey, put up Psalm 150. I didn't... I just had to, If you notice, I was smiling up here when Brynn was reading, reading this because I didn't tell her. Once again, here we are. <laughs> Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praising, praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with a lute and the harp. We don't have many lutes or harps, but these are modern harps. Praise Him with a tambourine and dance. Hmm. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Woo! Yeah. Go ahead. So, if you wonder why we're so exuberant in our praise, we got scripture for it. This isn't something that we're drumming up. We wanna praise the Lord with everything we have, and if you have breath, I don't expect you to come up here, but just clap your hands because he's worthy. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new messages are released. And remember to visit gatewaylive.org for more information.